One, two, is this on? I can let this whole song play. One of the greatest wrestling themes of all time. Today is July 29th, 2022. This is Everyone Has an Opinion. If you don't know by now, you will know. This is the Pro Wrestling Edition. You are listening to the fine tunes of Triple H's entrance theme from the late 90s, early 2000s. Triple H, if you have been living under a rock in the wrestling world, you do not know. Triple H is now head of creative in WWE. He is also head of talent relations. So he'll be signing the talent. He'll be signing the superstars, the wrestlers, if you will. He'll be signing them, and he was also responsible for the storylines that you will see on Monday Night Raw and SmackDown going forward. This is something unprecedented. This is something that many believed it would take, unfortunately, the death of Vince McMahon for him to relinquish those duties. But it actually took a scandal to really get him out of there. Um, Vince McMahon has been a huge part of wrestling and my life since I've been born. He has been in charge of which once once was WWF turned into WWE. And not only is he the owner and the founder, he is the head of creative um, for all pretty much the best moments in a lot of our childhood. He created the Attitude Era. He created the uh, New Generation. He created the Ruthless Aggression Era. He did it all. Created WrestleMania. It's crazy that he's out of the out of position, out of the the control really. He still is a majority owner, but there was sexual allegations, there was allegations of him paying off his sexual partners and things like that. I'm not really here to get into that. I'm here to to get into the creative side. I'm here to get into the magic of pro wrestling. I'm not really here to talk about what goes on in these guys' personal lives that deep. I don't really know if Vince is guilty or anything like that, so I'm not here to comment on that. I will say Vince McMahon has been a huge part of my life, and it is sad in a way to see him go out like this. But at the same time, it is really exciting to see what Stephanie McMahon as part CEO with Nick Khan and what Triple H can do um, in his creative role. Triple H has a great wrestling mind. He founded NXT, made NXT into a must-see event. He made it one of the best wrestling promotions, if you will. Obviously, it's still under the WWE banner, but it was its own entity as far as the wrestling style, the promos, all that. He produced some of the best events in the last decade with those NXT TakeOver events. So I am through the roof, excited about what he can do on the main roster. Will he bring that same flair that he brought to the black and gold brand before Vince McMahon actually took him out of that position, in part due to health health issues that Triple H had, but I think it was more of Vince looked at NXT like a failure because they lost to AEW, and 
he kind of blamed Triple H for that, completely scrapped it, remade it. It is now NXT 2.0 with um, all different colors and different themes and stuff like that. Totally different than the black and gold brand that Triple H built. So I'm excited to see what he can do as the head of the main roster's creative. This weekend is a huge weekend. It is SummerSlam. It is one of their premier events. It is actually the second biggest event WWE produces, second to WrestleMania. And it is the first pay-per-view ever that WWE has produced without Vince McMahon in that top seat, writing the storylines, creating um, the feuds and things like that. Obviously, Triple H is picking up in the middle of what was already being built. But now that he's been there for a couple weeks now and he is taking over and this is his first event, I'm sure he's going to try and make a big splash. I'm going to review the card. I'm going to go through it and uh, we'll go from there. I'm going to, I haven't been watching week to week. I've been following through social media and things like that and skimming through uh, the events now that Triple H is in charge, I am much more interested to see what he can produce. I did watch Raw. Raw actually wasn't bad. Three-hour show is still very tough for me. Um, obviously, I skimp through things with the technology we have and DVR and stuff like that. But it's still a long show. It's hard for anyone to make a good three-hour wrestling program. I think two hours is really the sweet spot. One hour is a little too short. Anyway... On the SummerSlam, this is the card they have right now. This isn't the order the matches will be in. It's just the order that Wikipedia has them listed in. Doesn't mean that they will take place in this order at all. I'm going to start with number one. They have Logan Paul versus The Miz. This is a feud that started at WrestleMania. Logan Paul was The Miz's partner. The Miz turned on him at the end of the match. Logan Paul was gone for a while, ends up signing a multi-year contract with WWE. Now he's back for revenge. He's fighting The Miz one-on-one. This is a weird matchup because they got Logan Paul uh, positioned as the babyface, as the good guy. And if you know anything about Logan Paul, he's easy to dislike. He's easy to boo. So I'm kind of scratching my head about why they're deciding to make him a heel. I mean, a a face in this. I think he is a natural heel. Miz is also a great heel. So it's kind of a weird combination here. I'm not sure what to expect. I I don't know if Logan Paul is going to win this. Because I feel like even if he does win, he's going to get booed. So it's a really weird one. Usually they have their celebrities win. The fact that Logan Paul signed a long-term deal, maybe he can lose this match and then grow from there. Maybe he loses and turns heel after. I think that's the better idea. The Miz wins here. Logan Paul eventually turns heel again. I can't see this guy working as a face. It's just not going to work. they got to be, they gotta be smarter than that. There's no way they think that Logan Paul is going to naturally get Cheers. I know he has a huge following, but the wrestling audience is much different than the YouTube audience. Um, next, we got Liv Morgan versus Ronda Rousey. Singles match for the Women's SmackDown Championship. Liv Morgan cashed in her Money in the Bank at the last pay-per-view after Ronda Rousey had already had a match, after she already had a knee injury. Liv Morgan capitalized. It looked like she was going to blow it. She was caught in the ankle lock, but she ended up um, securing the victory with a roll-up. And the crowd went nuts. The crowd is really behind Liv Morgan. I don't see how they take the, the title off of her. I think this is her biggest moment. She has to beat Ronda Rousey. And speaking of turning heel, I could see Ronda Rousey turning heel. Ronda Rousey is another one who I think is better as a heel. 
Um, she doesn't really cut a good babyface promo. It's not really believable. She kind of looks lost out there. When she's a heel and she's really speaking from her heart and really taking out her frustrations on the crowd, like, why are you guys turning on, on me? You guys don't know anything. I'm legit. I'm from the UFC, this and that. I think that Ronda Rousey is much more effective. So I can see Ronda losing here and turning heel. And maybe they uh, play hot potato with that belt. They go back and forth and have a long feud. I think Liv Morgan needs the victory, though, to solidify her title reign, solidify her status as one of the top girls in the division because she has really come a long way. She was extremely green a few years ago. She's put in the hard work. She finally got that big victory, and I think she needs this as a legitimate one because obviously the cash-in comes with a little bit different circumstances. You come in after someone already had a match. Uh, you kind of That's kind of the whole deal with it. You can cash in whenever you want. This is a face-to-face, one-on-one. She knows she's fighting Ronda. Ronda knows she's fighting Liv. Ronda's prepared. That's the whole story of it. I'm prepared for you now. We'll see what happens. I got Liv Morgan. Next, we got Bobby Lashley versus Theory for the United States Championship. I think they keep the title on Bobby Lashley unless you're going for a major push with Lashley and into the WWE title picture. If he's not going to be that top guy, then give him the United States title or at least keep it on him and make that title mean something because Lashley is over. The crowd loves him. I love him. Keep him red hot and move on from theory. Pat McAfee versus Corbin is up next. This is a good one. It's crazy that these guys were actually teammates in I think it was 2010 or 2009 with the Colts, obviously, McAfee had a great career in the NFL. <clears throat> One of the best punters ever. Multi-time pro bowler. Now he's doing commentary in WWE. He's had some matches. This guy's great at everything he does. He has a podcast. Great podcast. Great in-ring wrestler, surprisingly. Great on commentary. Pat McAfee's the man. If you saw him at WrestleMania, if you didn't know anything about wrestling, didn't know who Pat McAfee was, you would assume he was the biggest star in the company. That's how over he is. I think he continues the momentum, gets a victory over Happy Corbin here, and I think he should have more matches in the future. He's that good. Up next, we got the Mysterios. Dominic and his father, Rey Mysterio Jr., versus the Judgment Day, which is Damian Priest and Finn Balor. They're accompanied by Rhea Ripley. This is a no-DQ tag match. I think the Judgment Day has to win here. They have to get some heat. They have to destroy the Mysterios. It's no-DQ. They need to continue their momentum if they're going to be a legit feud, a uh, legit faction. So the Judgment Day gets the victory here. Next, we got the Usos versus the Street Profits. For all the tag team gold, Jeff Jarrett will serve as special guest referee. It is in his hometown. Jeff Jarrett's sure to get a big pop. And more on Jeff Jarrett later because he is not done this weekend. He has much bigger fish to fry than just being a referee. But Usos versus the Street Profits, I got to go with the Street Profits. I think they finally need that huge win in what better way than the undisputed tag team championship victory over the Usos who have held it for more than a year. Street Profits got to get this victory here. If they don't get the victory here, then it's time to break them up. Montez looks like he's ready for that singles push, but I think as a tag team, they can still get some miles out of them. Angelo Dawkins is very underrated. Obviously, everyone loves Montez, but Angelo is great as well. These guys win the tag team titles. A feel-good moment. Everyone goes nuts. Give the Street Profits the titles. Next, we got Bianca Belair versus Becky Lynch for the Raw Women's Championship. This is a rematch of last year. 
They fought at last year's SummerSlam. Becky Lynch was making her return and ended up squashing Bianca in quick fashion. This one can go either way. You had them fight at WrestleMania. Bianca won the title. Um, Becky has been in a limbo. I mean, obviously, she's a huge star. But as far as getting big victories, we haven't really seen it in quite some time. This can go either way, but I think you've got to keep Bianca hot, keep it on her, and continue her run, and then move on to somebody else. Maybe switch brands with Becky to get her away from Bianca, because this feud probably should end. Unless Becky wins it and they, they go back and forth. Instead of leaving Ronda going back and forth with the title, maybe Becky and Bianca do. But I like Becky, excuse me, I like Bianca to retain. And then the main event. Stop me if you've heard this before. Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar for the title. <laughs> this is for the undisputed title. These guys fought at WrestleMania in an underwhelming match. Um, it turns out Roman Reigns supposedly had a, sh- a shoulder injury that he suffered during the match. That could be uh, an explanation for why the match wasn't as good and ended pretty abruptly. But this one is last man standing, supposedly the last match they'll ever have. Um, I don't believe that, but you never know. They say it's the last time. Hopefully it is. Last man standing for the undisputed title. Triple H is in charge now, so actually I do believe that. Triple H won't let these guys fight again. Last man standing match for all the belts. Um, This is tough. This is another tough one. I think you've got to stay with Roman here. Roman is just the guy right now, and this heel run is really working. But when you've got to put him in there with Brock again, it's like, is he going to beat Brock again? Like, are they just going to keep doing this over and over? Last man standing. Maybe they have a swerve here where somebody helps Roman or somebody that doesn't even have any involvement with Roman jumps Brock Lesnar, and then you can set something else up. But I don't know how they're going to get out of this without it really being just same old, same old. Roman Reigns wins, retains the title. By hook or by crook, Brock Lesnar will be down for 10 seconds. That is the rules in the last man standing match. you got to be down for a 10 count. So something will happen where Brock is down for the 10. I don't see Roman being down for the 10. Roman has been undefeated for like 900 days or something crazy. Roman Reigns continues his reign of dominance and ends the show on top with both belts again, just like WrestleMania. Seth Rollins was supposed to be on this card against Matt Riddle. Matt Riddle, I guess... Suffered an injury. I don't know if it's storyline or if it's real. Supposedly, it is a storyline injury. Seth Rollins attacked Riddle at the end of Raw. Curb stomped him on the steps. Put him out of commission. I'm kind of confused by that. I thought that was a really strong match to add to this card. This card on paper isn't the greatest. It's not a bad card. It's definitely not a bad card, but it's not the greatest card. It doesn't scream SummerSlam to me. And I thought Rollins and Riddle was a really good addition to the card. I thought that was a co-main type of event, type of matchup. That not being on the card is weird to me. Maybe they'll do a surprise opponent. They haven't announced anything yet. They still have a SmackDown, which I believe is taking place right now. Maybe they'll announce a surprise opponent for Rollins or a mystery opponent, something like that. I think Rollins needs to be on this card, and I think Rollins needs a victory. Rollins is hot. His character is very strong, but he hasn't been getting the victories. He, he had the feud with Cody Rhodes where he lost three um, in a row. So I don't know what they're going to do here. Maybe they have something in plan for the for the pay-per-view itself. Again, Triple H is in charge now. I'm sure he wants to make a big splash. I'm sure he wants to do something exciting. So I expect the pay-per-view to deliver. WWE, in the last couple of years, as bad as their television product has been week to week, 
their pay-per-views have delivered. I have to say, the majority of their events, when they have low hype, they tend to over-deliver. WrestleMania, to me, was very enjoyable. The Money in the Bank pay-per-view was very solid. They've been solid on pay-per-view, so I think this SummerSlam will deliver. The matchups, again, aren't the biggest, but there is some good fun stuff in there. Match of the night, to me, will probably be the tag match, Usos versus Street Profits. They just can't miss. They've been putting on good match after good match. Uh, Money in the Bank was another one of them. I expect no different um, this weekend. This is on Saturday night. This is on Peacock. WWE has been really pushing these Saturday events more more so than ever before. It was always a Sunday pay-per-view. Now, we're seeing a lot of Saturdays. WrestleMania was on Saturday and Sunday. SummerSlam last year was on Saturday. This year, it's on Saturday. I think Money in the Bank was on Saturday. So they're doing a lot more Saturday events. I don't mind them. Um, I'm used to Saturday night events, boxing, UFC, obviously, always on Saturday. So WWE puts themselves right in that position. They're willing to compete with whoever. They're competing with anybody. They say AEW is in our competition. Everything is our competition. Anything on television is our competition. They're fighting for eyeballs. So if they're seeing good numbers on Saturday night, they're going to continue to give us Saturday night events, and I'm here for it. I don't mind it at all. SummerSlam begins at 8 p.m. on Peacock. That is Saturday, but that is not the only wrestling you're going to get. Sunday, you will have Ric Flair's last match. Yes, that Ric Flair. Yes, he is having his last match. He said this many times before, um, but I think this has to be the last one. When I first heard about this, I was worried. I mean, Ric Flair is an old man. He's 73 years old. You can't expect this guy to go out there and be in, in tip-top condition. A few years ago, he was on life support. And when I heard that he's getting back in the ring, I'm like, why? Like, what's the point? I said this up until a few weeks ago. A few weeks ago, they dropped the press conference. And they dropped these parts. I believe it's three different parts on YouTube called Flair's Last Matches on his YouTube page. They're about 20 minutes apiece. And they're nothing short of incredible. They are some of the best promo work I've seen in wrestling in a very long time. I'm all in. Ric Flair, you old SOB, you did it again. You're proving why you're everyone's favorite wrestler's favorite wrestler. One of the best of all time, if not the greatest of all time. Ric Flair, at 73, worked us all, and it's amazing. The video is real-life documentary-type stuff, talking about his health, talking about how he's trying to get back in the ring, it's given all these guys opinions from Shawn Michaels to old referees to family members, his first wife, his ex-wife. Everyone's given their thoughts on Ric Flair fighting again, positive and negative, given their real, genuine beliefs like, is it safe? Is it this? Is it that? It goes from that. Then it shows him, and this was on Twitter as well, there was videos of Jay Lethal, the wrestler Jay Lethal, training with Ric Flair, uh, they're working out in the ring, they're taking bumps, taking chops, and they're having a blast, and just how good um, Ric Flair's doing, and how Jay Lethal's honored to work with him, his idol, 
transitioned from that. Then there's a part in the documentary where Jay Lethal says, you know, uh, can I get a spot on this card? And Ric Flair looks at him and says, hey, man, you're an opening magic type of guy. Um, we're really stacking this card up. So, uh, sorry, there's there's no room for you. And Jay Lethal takes it personally. He's like, what? There's no room for me. That escalates to, after the press conference, Jay Lethal's waiting for Ric Flair in the parking lot. And punches Ric Flair, and as soon as that happens, you're like, oh, okay. This was all a work, and it's it's done masterfully. The blend from reality to pro wrestling is just chef's kiss. It's amazing. Ric Flair and Jay Lethal worked work us all into believing that Jay Lethal was actually upset, fights Ric Flair in the parking lot. Well, doesn't fight him. Hits him in his intestines where his surgery is. Ric Flair falls to the ground. Jeff Jarrett, who was promoting the event, um, who's involved in the event because the event is in his hometown, which I mentioned, so is SummerSlam in the same um, city, I believe, in Nashville, Tennessee. So Jeff Jarrett comes out to the parking lot and he tries to talk Jay Lethal out of it. Like, get off Ric Flair. He tries helping Ric Flair up. Ric Flair tells him to F off. Never liked you. Never liked your dad. And then Jeff Jarrett snaps. Jeff Jarrett starts attacking Ric Flair. Jeff Jarrett gets his wife, Karen Jarrett's heel, who is standing nearby, hits Ric Flair in the head with the heel. Ric Flair is bleeding everywhere. It's incredible. Ric Flair is giving this his all. So now, obviously, it's two on one. Ric Flair needs a partner. Who does he call? His son-in-law, Andrade El Idolo of AEW. This is going to be awesome. <laughs> I don't care what you think about it. Some people say Ric Flair is too old. Hey, if you watch those three parts and you're not into the match, then you're not into pro wrestling. That's all I can say about that. I've sent that to people and I've heard, wow, this is the most real promo I've seen in a very long time. It's up there, man. This is great. Great stuff. And I never would have expected it. Ric Flair, if this is how you're going out, you're going out with a bang and I'm all in. You could say you don't think Ric Flair should be wrestling, and I could say that too, but listen, this is a guy who's fallen, off, fallen out of an airplane, survived. He has been struck by lightning. He was on life support a few years ago for like two weeks and came out of a coma. You only live once, and I know that's a funny saying that Drake had in a song, YOLO, this, it's true. We only live once. If this guy is healthy enough to do something that brings him passion, brings him joy in life. Who are we to say no? Who are we to tell him, oh, you can't do that? Well, you can't say it didn't sell because he sold out tickets. They had to move to a bigger arena. So that's not true. You could say there was an interest in it. That's not true because he, the way they built it was perfect. Ric Flair knows pro wrestling. And this is a pro wrestling angle that was a 10 out of a 10 for me. Like, the way they built this was perfect. So I'm all for it. He's going to go one more match. It's a tag match. He can get protected. If, if he's winded, he could tag out. Like There's plenty of, of ways to get around it. The storyline is the main thing, the main focus, as pro wrestling should be. The story comes first. You've got to get people in the building, and Ric Flair has done it. That's why he's one of the greatest of all time. So Flair and his son-in-law against... Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett. So many parallels in there. Obviously, the son-in-law with the family. He married his daughter, Charlotte. Jay Lethal, who's his idol. Um, well, Jay Lethal 
excuse me, Ric Flair's Jay Lethal's idol. Jay Lethal and Ric Flair have a history in TNA wrestling where they're going back and forth, where Jay Lethal's imitating Ric Flair. It's one of the funniest promos ever. Jay Lethal also had a feud with him in TNA. He ends up beating him. Jeff Jarrett, of course, idolized Ric Flair as well. Ric Flair started in Jeff Jarrett's father's territory in Nashville when Ric Flair was the NWA champion, the traveling champion, traveled all over the world. There was a WWF champion, Hulk Hogan, in the 80s. Obviously, he took the world by storm, but he was a company champion, whereas Ric Flair was the NWA champion, the National Wrestling Alliance. He traveled every different territory defending his title, whereas Hulk Hogan was just in the WWF. That's why Ric Flair is better than Hulk Hogan. Because Ric Flair did it all over the world, 60 minutes, 90 minutes, it didn't matter. Ric Flair was the man, and he's still the man, and he's going to prove that on Sunday night when he retires in his last match, and he's going to go out with a bang. I'm sure it's going to be a good match. Andrade El Idolo is a great wrestler. Jay Lethal is a great wrestler. Jeff Jarrett, I'm, so, I'm sure, still has some left in the tank. And Jarrett patented a lot of his um, career after Ric Flair. He wanted to be in the Horseman in WCW. That was part of the storyline. He did the strut. Of course, he credits that to Jackie Fargo, who also did the strut back in the day. But Jeff Jarrett did the, the not only did he do the strut, but he did the figure four. So there's really no denying the influence that Ric Flair had on Jeff Jarrett. So it all comes to an end Sunday night. And not only that, this whole card is actually pretty stacked. It actually, on paper, it might be better than the SummerSlam card to me. Um, maybe not as big names, but as far as in-ring, I think this is going to deliver. I don't know what the production value is going to look like. We don't know. This is um, Jim Crockett Promotions. Jim Crockett Promotions, of course, was the main territory that Ric Flair wrestled under until they ended up selling to Ted Turner and becoming WCW in the 90s. So Jim Crockett uh, passed away, but this is his son promoting uh, David Crockett. And this is just a great cap to Ric Flair's career. Yes, his WWE career ended with Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania, and that was great. But Ric Flair isn't a WWE guy. Ric Flair is a wrestling guy. Ric Flair is known for wrestling all over the world. So what better way to end it than with the promotional company that he really took off with in Crockett Promotions? It's just biblical, really, when you think about it. Everything ends the way it started. But if you look at this card here, we got Davy Boy Smith Jr. versus Killer Cross. That's going to be a good matchup. Killer Cross, of course, was in NXT as Karrion Cross. He was Killer Cross before that, and he's back to his killer ways. This guy is is incredible. I don't know how WWE didn't make him into a star. Now that Triple H is back with WWE, expect him to be back soon. I guarantee you, Killer Cross will come back to WWE. It'll probably be Killer Cross instead of Karrion Cross. Um, the Vaughn Ericks, the sons of them against Jay Briscoe and Mark Briscoe. The Briscoes, one of the best tag teams ever. That should be a good match. Speaking of great tag teams, you got the Wolves, Davey Richard and Eddie Edwards against the Motor City Machine Guns, Alex Shelley and Chris Sabin. This is just two of the best tag teams in the past 20 years going head-to-head. -head. I don't believe they've ever had a match together. If they have, I've never seen it, so I'm excited about that one. You have the Rock and Roll Express going against Brian Pillman Jr. and Brock Anderson, the son of Arn Anderson. That should be a fun one. You also have... Um, a four-way match between Bandito, Laredo Kid, Ray Phoenix, 
and Taurus. Talk about Lucha Libre action. This is going to steal the show. This is going to be one of the best matches of the entire weekend. Bank on that. If you haven't seen any of these guys, especially Ray Phoenix, you're in for a treat. That match is going to deliver. You have the triple threat women's match. Um, Impact champion Jordan Grace, a physical specimen. I have not really seen her in the ring, so I'm not really sure how well she is as a wrestler, but I'm going to be interested in that one. Jordan Grace defending against Deanna Perrazzo and Rachel Ellering. Rachel Ellering, if you're familiar with that last name, she is the daughter of Paul Ellering. Paul Ellering was the manager of the Road Warriors. So a lot of history in this event. It's not just Ric Flair's match. There's a lot of history. And then you've got Josh Alexander, who is the Impact Champion, really good in-ring technical wrestler, going against Jacob Fatu, and that should be a banger as well. This guy, um, Jacob Fatu, is from the Inoue family, where The Rock is from, Roman Reigns, The Usos, Rikishi. He is the real deal. He is trained by Rikishi, so this guy is good. Definitely check that matchup out. I believe that's the co-main. That's how they have it listed here. I'm not sure if that's the right order. But that should be a good singles match, too, for the Impact title. And you got, of course, the main event, Flair Andrade against Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett. You have you really have wrestling from every promotion. Jeff Jarrett works for WWE. He is the special referee at SummerSlam. Jay Lethal works for AEW. Andrade works for AEW. Ric Flair is Rick freaking Flair. He works for wherever he wants. And then you got Laredo Kid and Bandito from AAA, which is in Mexico. You have Impact Championships being uh, on the line. Their women's and their men's title are on the line. I mean, you got guys from Ring of Honor. Like, this is just a who's who of every promotion in the business. Ric Flair is going out, and he's going out with a great card, and I can't wait to see it. I'm actually more excited about this card than I am SummerSlam. And if you would have told me that a month ago, I'd say, no way. I'd say, no way. They're not going to put together a card that I'm more excited for than SummerSlam. I'm sure SummerSlam is going to be stacked. SummerSlam is good, but this show is going to deliver. Wrestling in general is in a great place right now. We talk about the Attitude Era. Of course, that's the best time ever. But right now, is kind of slept on. I think when people look at WWE and they look at Raw and SmackDown, they think, oh, well, it's not that good, so wrestling isn't in a good place. No, you have so much wrestling that you just have to look for what you want. Wrestling, like Eric Bischoff said, like Vince McMahon even said, it's like ice cream. There's flavors. You might like uh, vanilla. Someone else might like chocolate. There's different flavors there. What are you into? Because it's out there. If you want great storylines, you're getting it. Ric Flair, Jared, <clears throat> Jay Lethal, Andrade, they put together a great story. You want good in-ring action, you're going to get it with the Luchadors from AAA Mexico. They're going to go crazy in there. You want a mixture of just entertainment, you got SummerSlam, you got Pat McAfee, you got uh, Logan Paul, you got celebrity involvement, you got every little thing that you could want, you just got to kind of pick and choose where you're going to get it. AEW is in a great place as well, they're doing great content every week on Wednesday nights on TBS, on Dynamite, and then of course NXT 2.0, I haven't really been paying attention to it, but I'm sure... There may be something on there for somebody. There's something everywhere. New Japan is always good. Uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling is always the best in-ring action in any company. So it really depends what you like, but there's so many options, and that's what makes it great to me. There's so many options. I don't have to just watch WWE to find good wrestling. If they're not producing something I like, I can find it elsewhere. It's a great time 
in wrestling. Um, when do you ever see two sold-out events in the same city for two different promotional companies? It doesn't happen too often. It's happening now in 2022. It's going to be great. I can't wait to see it. Ric Flair has had a tremendous career. Um, if you don't have him in your top three, then I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> like This guy has done it in the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s, the 2010s, when he ended his career in WWE, and now in 2022, he's going to have his final swan song. He's going to go out, and I'm sure he's going to go crazy. He's Ric Flair. He's probably going to do the bump off the top rope. He's probably going to fall flat on his face at one point. He's probably going to get thrown around outside the ropes. Like, he's Ric Flair. We're going to get chops. We're going to get woos. He's going to make this fun. I have faith in him. I don't care what his age is. He's going to make the crowd go crazy. He's Ric freaking Flair. He's going to come out in a great robe. He's going to do his strut. And the way that Karen Angle, I mean, well, formerly Karen Angle, she was the wife of Kurt Angle, the way that Karen Jarrett, Jeff Jarrett's wife, has really involved herself in this feud. I would not be surprised if Charlotte Flair makes an appearance in her daddy's last match, comes down, makes a save, whoops Karen Jarrett's ass. That's how I see it. I think Ric Flair goes out with his hand raised, good celebration in the ring with his daughter and his son-in-law. It should be a great moment. Check it out. That is on RicFlair'sLastMatch.com. I believe it's on Fight TV. We can order it. Something like 30 bucks or something like that. If you don't think Ric Flair's match is going to be worth the money, trust me, the rest of the card will be worth $30 or whatever the price is. It's going to be good. Check it out. That is on Sunday night. SummerSlam is on Saturday night. It's exciting times, man. Triple H is back, and I think he's going to be more than motivated not only to fill Vince's shoes, but to go at AEW, to go head-to-head, not head-to-head, but to go... Um, pretty much card for card and say, oh, AEW had a great week. Well, I'm willing to have a great week too. Where Vince McMahon wasn't really paying attention too much, I don't think, to AEW. He was aware of it, but I don't think he was really paying attention. Whereas Triple H pays attention. Triple H is the type of guy to book kind of competitively, if you will. Not try to run anybody out of business here. But if both guys, if both companies are competitive, then you're going to, produce great content for the fans, and we win in the end because it's not like we have an a vested interest in either company. If you're a wrestling fan, you like wrestling. If you just like WWE, that's fine. But if you're a wrestling fan, you want both companies to be at their top game like it was in the 90s. You had WCW, you had ECW, um, early 2000s. TNA was really good at times. Obviously, they were more of a roller coaster up and down. But when, when there's multiple companies doing well, the fans really win in the end. Tune in this weekend to either SummerSlam or Ric Flair's last match. Enjoy some wrestling. I'm out.